So what I was going to say is he's been involved with Batman stuff for a long time. Mm -hmm. A lot of really good stuff, but I can't remember which one it was, but I did notice that one of his producing credits was with the Mr. Freeze Batman movie. Is that the one where George Clooney has bat nipples? Am I thinking the right one? Yeah. As far as I know, it had nothing to do with costume design. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we all have things we regret in our careers. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McEnroe, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Doc? What, Nina? Um, well, we just passed Labor Day, which uh, in our nerd circles means one thing, and that is Dragon Con. It does mean Dragon Con, and uh, I'm an eternal member of Dragon Con, so I had, which means... Which is Flex. what they call a yes, right? <laughs> Which is what they call a uh, basically a lifetime membership. The assumption being, I guess, if that some sort of science fiction technology comes along and allows us to live forever, I can continue coming. I doubt that they will continue to honor that. You know, three thousand <laughs> years from now, they'll probably try to we'll wiggle see. out of it. We'll see when when we bring your floating head in a in a jar of alcohol to. Atlanta and see if they honor your eternal membership. We'll That's see. all I really want from life. Unfortunately, this year it was not in the flesh. It was virtual. Did you go? Yes. So I did attend uh, some of the attend virtually uh, watch some of the uh, things. And um, as you know, actually regular listeners to this might know is I'm involved with the comics and popular arts conference, which is called CPAC. There are multiple things called CPAC. It's not the, the political action committee in this case. And we provide a lot of content for Dragon Con. And this year was no different uh, in that we provide a lot of content for them. And I've been involved with CPAC with the Comics and Popular Arts Conference for, oh, I'd have to do math, but I'd say probably 12 years, um, something like that. As long as I've known you. Yeah, and so a lot of people assume that because I am, you know, have been involved with, not just involved with, but, you know, been one of the leaders of this conference, that I'm a comic book guy and I have always been a comic book guy. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really one of the few non-comic book guys in the whole, in the whole thing. I'm part of the popular arts side of it. Um, and even growing up, I was not into, I was not really into comic books growing up then either. But... I have something to talk to you about today that has to do with comic books. Oh, boy. So now to be clear, this is not a comic book that I had when I was a kid. So some years ago, before I even got involved with the Comics and Popular Arts Conference, someone sent gave me a whole bunch of old comic books with literary themes in them. And part of that was the DC Comics Beowulf series. It was a run that ran... Uh, only six issues before it was discontinued. Beowulf Dragon Slayer ran through 75 to 76. And let me tell you, it is an absolute delight in every way. So was this a series you were given just as uh, something to read? Or was this something you were given to review? I was just given it to read it. Okay. When, I don't even know that. I think it was just... Uh, an old friend was just going through old issues of comic books and was mm -hmm. just getting rid of them because there's a whole lot of stuff in there. They almost all have some kind of literary theme to them. And I think he was finding people to give them 
uh, give things away to. But I did uh, write a review of this in my old blog, The Unlocked Word Horde, which is way back on Blogspot, speaking of the olden days. Wow. What year was that? 2007. 2007. Yeah. So that was probably... A, just before I got involved with the Comics and Popular Arts Conference that works with Dragon Con. So, yeah, uh, this is really predating my academic interest in comics. Uh, I'm currently, I'd send it to the publisher. The publisher wanted a couple more chapters in it. Uh, but I currently have a, a book uh, that I'm finishing up on Beowulf in comic books called, the working title is Beowulf Illuminated. Available who knows when. Uh, <laughs> Again, we don't commit to dates. Um, no, we don't commit to dates. No, that is true. There actually is a whole chapter about this particular series in that. But back in 2007, I guess it would be, the idea that I would be writing a book, an academic study of this comic book was way out there. It was not something I was considering. But I thought I would, I would bring it up to you today because it has a special place in my heart, being the first place that really said to me, there were these really crazy Beowulf comics out there. And just looking at the cover art for the first edition for mm -hmm. number, you pointed me to number six first, so I could go backwards and look at your, yeah, your synopses. Uh, wow. Um, the seventies were not good to cover art. I'll just say that this <laughs> is, this is just, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. It looks very seventies. It does look like yes. There, there is not actually an ad in it where Beowulf defeats someone by throwing tasty fruit pies at them. Uh, but it's pretty close. <laughs> there are some ones that are pretty close to that. And and I also should point out that this series was written by a guy by the name of Michael Olson. And we're going to be having a lot of fun at his expense here, uh, which. Which the books do deserve in some ways. But Michael Uslan had gone on to great fame and importance. Uh, he's done a lot of work in Batman. Um, we'll give a link to his IMDb page just for his mm -hmm. non, just for his movie and uh, television producing of Batman stuff. Uh, but he also, he's really interested, he has an academic interest in the connections between mythology, folklore, and comic books. And so actually he is, I think he still might be teaching a class at Indiana University about, wow. about yeah, so. So that hits really close to home for you. But, you know, it, you know, eventually someday when you read my, my book, I actually have some uh, nice things to say uh, about what he's doing and his project here. Uh, and he's someone who has thought very, thought very deeply about this subject uh, a great deal. And you can kind of see like in the crazier inexplicable parts of it you can kind of see his his educational endeavor poking its head up behind it yeah because as i was going through your synopses again mm -hmm. full disclosure i was not able to get my hands on your copies of the book given that we are separated by state borders several hundred miles and a coronavirus i could see he's a well-learned man he's done his research because there's you know lots of greek mythology here there's a little bit of orpheus and eurydice mm -hmm. uh orpheus in the underworld if you're familiar with that myth um a lot of the odyssey like this is its own odyssey there's some conan the barbarian um and there's also 
a ton of biblical energy imagery too and energy as well and there's there's a lot of biblical yeah. energy too but this is just a mishmash of of a lot of stuff and it's put together in this crazy 70s comic book stuff i mean yeah what is going on in these what is it six editions six issues six six issues yeah six issues yeah so what it, okay so for our listeners what is what is going on in this <laughs> this comic book series okay so this series beowulf the dragon slayer beowulf dragon slayer is the is beowulf the dragon slayer yes yeah. beowulf i guess colon dragon slayer though there's no colon on the on the cover uh, this series <laughs> is sort of a frame uh, where Beowulf sort of begins his adventures at the beginning. Then he's going to fulfill them in, in the sixth one. And in the middle, he's going to essentially go on this kind of journey through myth and folklore where he's running into all these other mythic figures. When I say running into, I mean, mostly beating up all these other Mm -hmm. mythic figures and, and fighting them. And so Characters in this include the ancient Sumerian gods of, uh, I know Enlil's in it, and who else is in it? Another Sumerian god is in it. Uh, we have Ulysses. We have Dracula. Uh, Satan is a recurring character sure. in it. Yes, uh, sure. We have the lost tribe of Israel. Uh, we have the Minotaur. Oh, by the way, on the back of this, there's a, an evil can evil uh Oh my God! Just in case you uh, yeah, forgot, yes. this was the '70s. It was the '70s. Evil can evil, so cool. This is all sorts of crazy, crazy characters that all get mashed up together. Although there are six books, in my view, the entire series culminates in issue five, which has the single, my single favorite page of any comic book series ever. Oh, my dear Um, Lord. Just one page. And on this page, on this page, Beowulf and an Amazon princess who's his girlfriend named Nancy and Ulysses are on board an alien spacecraft that is being that is being piloted by ancient Sumerian gods who then Beowulf gets mad uh, at them and smashes their control panel with his helmet. The spacecraft crashes into the volcano that is at the center of the ancient continent of Atlantis. Which uh, then spreads thetans across the... Don't. Yeah, well, no, there's no thetans Sorry. in this one. <laughs> and just as it's about to crash, Ulysses, Beowulf, and, and the Amazon jump off to safety off of this crashing spacecraft onto the volcano, which then explodes, destroying Atlantis, but not before they find a raft that Ulysses apparently hid on the island of Atlantis some years before. And that is my favorite single page of any comic book series ever. That is a roller coaster. Every panel of it by itself could be its own issue, but there it is uh, in all of its glory, mishmashing everything up together. And they're the only survivors. They are. They're the only survivors of Atlantis. And and I want to be clear, like you asked me for to kind of describe the plot of this. And it's extremely difficult to describe the plot because it basically is a series of of disconnected events that happen while Beowulf is trying to get 
revenge on Grendel. I mean, at one point, so early on, I, I think in the first or second book, Beowulf goes to hell. Not because he's dead. He just goes there, Orpheus and Eurydice style, and then he punches Satan in the head. <laughs> Later on in what the book, we all like to do that? I'm going to, uh, yes, I'm going to spoil something here uh, that's only, what are we talking, 45 years old now. So mm. uh, you've had four and a half decades to learn this before I told you. Grendel murders Satan, which is apparently, now here's my question. It's a theological question, I know, but it does raise the question. If you are Satan and you're already in hell and then you are murdered, where do you go for punishment? Uh, Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of, of craziness in it. Basically, Beowulf has only one move, which is to beat stuff up. When we first meet Beowulf, there's the slave maid of Satan, who is apparently this mind-controlled Amazonian princess who he then, I'm going to put this in scorn quotes, seduces uh, to become his girlfriend and to mm. travel around with him. But he seduces her in the way that you should seduce a woman, which is he beats her up, call, makes fun of her for being a Swede, I think. he gets he, Thus beating the mind control out of her. So if you ever okay. fear that your lover is mind controlled, apparently beating them up and insulting their nationality is exactly what you need to do. Okay, we're going to talk about what you just said after this podcast. <laughs> so um, moving on, um, the plot of these these issues, they, they can't really be explained. So the central themes of this comic, what are they and how are they consistent with Beowulf? We know that Beowulf is ideally, he's a, he's a braggart. Mm -hmm. He's going on a quest to save the, the Geats, Geats, the Geats. Mm -hmm. How are they consistent or how is how does that tie back to the saga of the original Beowulf? So this book really tries to, especially the first the first issue tries to have alliteration in it. Um, it's not mm -hmm. awesome alliteration, but, you know, it's alliteration on a deadline. After that, it moves more into just rhyme. It kind of gives up the alliteration. But one consistent theme in it is is weird is the idea of fate w-y-r-d mm -hmm. weird in the original anglo-saxon poem the idea of fate is really really important uh this idea that people are fated and and weird literally shows up as a as a god here there's also this figure the shop s-c-o-p the the bard who's more of a kind of like magician in here who is maybe like a worshiper of weird and and the word sh shop in in old english is related to the word for shape or shaping something uh the one who sh who shapes things and he's called the shaper in this and it's a kind of he kind of is like the magical weird is this kind of like w-y-r-d is more like this god who's off somewhere whereas the shaper is the one who's sort of pushing beowulf along on these adventures at first he very much seems like a villain mm -hmm. uh when you think about it after the fact he's kind of more the person who's bringing out the heroism in Beowulf, but he does not see it that way. So a good part of it is this idea about fate that we're kind of driven by fate that not just Beowulf, but the other characters are, are driven by fate. And I think another thing that's very similar is the, the way that Beowulf himself tends to, is not a very interesting character in the way he's not so interesting in the poem. Of course, in the poem, the more interesting things are the, are the monsters. And again, in, in Beowulf dragon slayer series, Beowulf, the character, is little more than a setting. Right, yeah. He just goes around to meet people and beat them up. 
the all the other characters, the the one with Dracula, the 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 one with the Lost Tribe of Israel. Actually, that's the same one I think. The ones with the Minotaur. All these things are more about like trying to tie together this idea of really interesting creatures being all part of one uh, folkloric or mythological continuum. And I think even the idea that I was laughing about that these Sumerian gods who are associated, I think, more with Egyptian gods in this book, that they are really aliens, chariots of the gods style, this 1970s idea that was very popular that all these ancient societies were run by by aliens sorry that that they're all tied together uh, as aliens moving from place to place and then it's all part of one main storyline mm-hmm. what this reminds me of most is something which on the surface seems entirely different we've never talked about it on this i think really but there's the kid beowulf comic book series and the Kid Beowulf comic book series is really done by one creator. And it's basically Beowulf and Grendel as kids going going through this kind of series of adventures that are really just there so they can interact with all these other works of mythology and literature. And I think this is what maybe the Beowulf Dragon Slayer books are trying to do. But because there's really only the writer, it seems like is understands and is on board with this idea uh, yeah. that it all gets messed up into this wonderfully i actually do love it this wonderfully crazy series so yeah i'd say fate and the importance of the monsters is maybe the or maybe the the biggest sort of connections with the original story aside from character names and things like that so on that note then uh, do you think that comic books are a good medium for retelling beowulf because i know we've seen a lot of beowulf movies and a good majority of them just completely miss the mark it's extremely Im- it's almost impossible to tell beowulf the story um it, yeah. just because it's such a difficult story to tell visually yes so looking through all the many many you know i'm look through decades and decades of Beowulf comic books for this, this book that I, that I've been working on. And it seems to me that for telling the Beowulf story, the least interesting books tend to be the ones that try to do the most faithful retelling. Mm-hmm. They're kind of boring. Um, a few of them overcome the boringness with just really phenomenal art or really visceral, a really kind of visceral look to them. I think actually the Beowulf comic books that do the best are the ones that don't try to straight up retell Beowulf, but instead try to use that as an inspiration for another story, which is thematically connected to it uh, or is a kind of further adventures of Beowulf uh, kind of mm-hmm. story that that gets. To, I actually think those are more interesting. And unlike, say, film, where you've got 90 minutes to two hours to get in there and tell and tell the story, you can go off on these little side jaunts in something like a comic book, which is narrative. You can go off in these little side jaunts and get some more some more interesting thematic I guess, elements going. So I would say in terms of just straight up telling the Beowulf story, I think it's still not a great medium. It's all right, I guess. But I think in terms of using that to tell other stories around the idea of Beowulf, I think it actually is quite good. Oh, good. Comic books generally. Maybe we'll talk some more about some comic books again uh, in the future. Like I said, I know know a lot about them now. Yeah. uh, Having spent a lot of time on this. And and I should say... 
I, I don't know that we'll end up talking about it later on, but you know, there's this Kirby Award for graphic novels. The very first Kirby Award ever given to a graphic novel was given to an adaptation of Beowulf. Really? Yeah, yeah, 1980, oh, I'm gonna get the year wrong. Uh, Jerry Bingham's <laughs> Beowulf graphic Fascinating. novel. Fascinating. Yeah, so it's been around, and it's been around in this respectable place. This predates that, and you can sort of see you know, Mike Uslan and, and, and DC grasping for a way to do this that's appealing to 12-year-old boys who are interested also in evil Knievel, uh, but also, <laughs> it, and, and gives them a little bit of education without also telling them, hey, you're getting educated. In fact, the letters yeah. in the back, there's some some letters in the back where where the writers explicitly say, this is not Classics Illustrated. There is a very kind of, this is not your daddy's Beowulf tone to it, uh, where they're trying to make sure that kids don't come away from this thinking they're, how dare you accidentally educate me? Uh, <laughs> so they try to come. They, how dare you make me eat that. my broccoli? Yes, exactly. How dare you make broccoli taste good? This is melted cheddar cheese on my broccoli. <laughs> You've ruined it. You've ruined me with your lies, your cheesy lies. Well, along with Michael Ulsan, is, mm -hmm. is it Ulsan? Am I pronouncing that correctly? I, I think so. I've actually never heard it spoken. I've only read uh, stuff about him. So, and I and I oh. and I, I did con try to contact him for the book, and uh, he didn't respond. So uh, okay. uh, he must have just been intimidated to uh, to talk to <laughs> someone as great as me. Along with his IMDb page on our show notes, we're also including the link to your blog. Uh, where we have a whole series summary. We checked the DC Universe app to see if they had digitized this this comic book issue series, but mm -hmm. unfortunately we couldn't find it. Um, not sure if this is just way out of print or if they have yet to digitize, but unfortunately this, this might just be so rare and uh, you might have a rare edition that you want to hold on to sell later. <laughs> so I don't know how easy it is to come by them anymore. So yeah, I, I'm, again. I'm going to hold on to them tight. Speaking of DC. Yes, let's get into our recommendations. Yes, you've been watching some DC stuff, right? So on DC Universe or possibly HBO, one of the super DC or the super HBO apps. I don't know which one because they have now, what, two, three of them now. DC's Harley Quinn, the animated series, two seasons of it. It is phenomenal. It is perfect. Within the first five minutes of the first episode I was dying laughing that's how I knew that show was good highly recommended it's about the adventures of Harley Quinn who is as you know the Joker's girlfriend but she strikes out on her own it is very different from the movie that was released earlier this year which is also good um, not one of my recommendations but the animated series Harley Quinn phenomenal uh, the voice actors in it are ones that we would recognize our favorite comedians and voice actors that happen to voice a lot of our favorite television shows and, and the like. I would put this in the same sense of humor as Venture Brothers, which sadly we found out got canceled last week. So in, in um, honor of um, the same sense of humor, uh, please watch DC's Harley Quinn if you can get your hands on it. Because I know DC had mass layoffs just a few, I'd say a couple of months ago. So I don't know how long the DC Universe app is going to be around. Oh. If you can watch. Um, you, you know, we, yeah. sh we should have checked. I wonder if uh, Ulsan had any 
connection to the Harley Quinn series. He might have, actually. He does a lot of television cartoon producing for them, so he might be connected with that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I should have I should have looked at the page before starting. Yeah. Speaking of looking at the page. Yes. And retellings of things. So, uh, as part of our ongoing, uh, Wittam Publishing's ongoing partnership with Nevelist.net, we have another retelling of Beowulf, one that is less crazy and makes a lot more sense. Uh, and that is Professor Edward Risden's Alfgar's Stories from Beowulf. Yes. And so one of the f- sort of famous weirdnesses about the Beowulf poem is the first two thirds of it take place over maybe three days. And then there's a 50 year gap. And then Beowulf's an old man. And there's it's often been a thing where people have asked, like, well, what happens in the middle? Like, how does Beowulf go from not not being even in line to be king to being king? What other, there are other references to adventures he has. And Edward Risden, who's a very well-known scholar who has a very good uh, translation of Beowulf uh, for students, mm-hmm. he has written a work of fiction, Alfgar Stories from Beowulf, which are a group of individual stories uh, that this character Alfgar is telling about Beowulf. And that is available if you run out and do you i think you uh it depends on when this uh on when this uh episode drops you may still have time to get it as part of the needless.net book of the month club if you do i recommend uh getting it that way uh if not you can always go to the witham publishing site and you can get it there also we'll give you links to all of your favorite uh e-readers kindle kobo ibooks all that good stuff and speaking of Witten Publishing, you've been doing a lot of work over there this these last weeks, right? Yes. Finally, after many, many years, our website, WittanPublishing.com, has been given a facelift by yours truly. By the time this episode drops, the website will have gone live. It will look much better than it used to. Was interesting thinking about the redesign was really interesting because when we first designed it, a lot of the pages, like, what is an ebook? What is electronic yeah. publishing? We were kind of explaining to people what this was. Yeah. And it's so strange to go from over a decade ago trying to pioneer something new to now we're the we're the old fogies who uh you know we, we wear we wear uh, powdered wigs and uh <laughs> dance around in sans culotte or what whatever old classic people do. It's old hat by now. Yes, yeah. we're we're not we're now the we went from being the hey we're the Witten Publishing is the exciting new pioneering upstart to now we're the we're the respectable name the <laughs> the the oldest people are name. coming to us right yeah, yeah we'll start writing uh, we'll have to put established uh, on the front of everything <laughs> uh, to show how how old we are leading an industry well I mean given when you think about about how long ago we were referring to Blogspot earlier uh, oh, how long God. ago that was I mean. It was basically a whole other internet era when we when we founded this. So it's uh, yeah, it was like, interesting to realize what what we've become in the in the interim. Web two point five something like yes, that. exactly. But yeah, I mean the new page you you put up looks great. I don't know. It's just good to to see what we've been able to build, and not just us. I mean our partners over at Nevelist.net and and others like what they've been what we've really been able to do using new technologies over the last you know decade plus. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really excited about partnering with them for their Book of the Month Club, too. I yeah. think that's been really helpful for us. Yeah, it has been. It's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. 
Well, I'm in a 70s mood, so I'm gonna go put on some bell bottoms, feather my hair, and uh, do some heroin. How about you? You in? I'm gonna do what I did in the 70s, which is I'm going to color a lot with crayons and drink chocolate milk and learn to read. <laughs> so those are the things I'm gonna be doing. I'll save some horse for you, so uh, let's go. <laughs> All right, West Thu Hall, Doc. West Thu Hall, Nina. Pop and Evil was recorded under in the studio. Hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. The music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinwright. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash Thank you for listening. They just half-assed it? If they used half their ass, I'd be surprised. Maybe <laughs> one-sixteenth asked it. Uh, that might have been the most. They turned the gain down on their ass. That's okay. what they did, right? They turned the gain all the way down, and then they put up a smidge.